Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And we are live, Rangers fans. Thank you all so much to everyone for chiming in. I really appreciate it. Back at it for another episode of Rangers Review. And just like our last one, it was not traditional in any way because we had some breaking news to discuss. So as Stephen and I were prepping to talk about a variety of topics for the Rangers really over the next day or so for our next recording, and they will be live like this going forward. So guys, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, thank you so much for being here. But if you're listening on playback, either on YouTube or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, Know that on YouTube, on Morty NHL is where we usually do our live streams. But we have breaking news here, Stephen. So I'll let you just take it away because, man, oh, man, we were all hoping this would happen. But it actually came to fruition, and I'm jumping for joy right now. Yeah, uh, Caprizo winning the call. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Norris. I mean, what else can I say? You know, um, as far as I'm aware, the first defenseman to win the Norris without his team making the playoffs. Wow. Uh, one of only one of only two defensemen in NHL history to win the Norris in his first two seasons. The other one being Bobby Orr. Decent company. Um, first Rangers defenseman to even be nominated for the Norris since I think '97. So it's been 24 years since we even had a Norris fi- uh, Norris finalist. Um, yeah, unbelievable. Honestly, I thought Hetman was going to win it because these trophies are usually voted on based on reputation. Uh, but I'm glad that Cooler Heads prevailed and, and Fox was just the best defenseman this year. And I think Kill McCarr was a close second. I, I would have been okay with McCarr winning. Um, I would have I would have understood that. Um, but Adam Fox did something this season that that like it was it was just unbelievable. On a team that was struggling in the toughest division of the league. He put up points that I, I think he, he led all defensemen in assists, and he was second in points only behind Tyson Berry. So, yep. uh, really great. And it's not just the points, it's also the defensive play. And, and there were games where he was playing 26, 27 minutes. It's just utterly ridiculous. He's, he's our number one defenseman, and now he's the NHL's number one defenseman. I, I couldn't be happier. And, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't be happier either. Yeah, and uh, I was talking to my fiance earlier, and um, you know, she she actually got me. I was going to share this quickly. Um, so back in uh, what was it? Back in February, I think. Um, Adam Fox scored a great goal against the Devils. It was a coast to coast goal, and Sam Rosen referred to it as Brian Leach like. Um, and my fiance and I actually managed to get our hands on the puck of that goal, and. Uh, on a night like this, which I'll refer to as Fox Norris night from now on, where the the, the trophy was introduced by Brian Leach, it just it's it's poetic. It all comes together. It's yeah, we didn't make for it, and um, I think this is a more exciting individual trophy than the Vezina for Lundqvist in 2012. To be honest. Yeah, that that's saying a lot because you know how much we love Hank. Everyone loves Hank, and that Vesna was huge. But you're right. This has a different feel to it for 
multiple reasons. One, you'll compare, and not that you should really compare and contrast here, but Hank was in the prime of his career, you know, very much a veteran in the league and just had a stellar year. And when you look at Foxy, again, he's in his sophomore season. Like, to see him do this at this pace is nothing short of remarkable. To have him get 47 points in 55 games, again, let all defensemen in assists. He, I believe, was in the 99th percentile in a war, which is wins above replacement. That's unbelievably remarkable. I've never seen a guy so sound in his own zone and yet be so composed bringing up the puck into the offensive zone. We know how he works. He slows the game down, even on the power play. It's just everything about his game has been flawless. He's a diehard Rangers fan from New York, and he wanted to play for the Rangers. He said no to the Calgary Flames a couple years ago when they drafted him, I believe, in the third round then when he was dealt to the carolina hurricanes he told them the exact same thing so the rangers luckily got him for only two second round picks and that was probably one of the best trades the rangers have made in their recent history and it very well could go down as one of the best trades the rangers have ever made in their history at this rate being a norse winner only second year and, and the first time a defenseman wins the norse not being in the playoffs because again these are season awards they shouldn't have to go in hand with playoffs but for nor for foxy to do this is just it's jaw-dropping uh, when I saw Leach come up that he was introducing, I'm like, okay, this will be the biggest smack in the face if it's not going to be Foxy. Come on, let's make it happen. It is, in fact, him. So I am jumping for joy right now. This is huge. June 29th of 2021 will always be known, known as Adam Fox Day, and you can't tell me otherwise. So before we go any further and talk more about Fox and this unbelievably exciting news I'm so pumped about, again, if you're now just chiming in the live stream, thank you so much for being here, guys. I see AB. I see Jonah. I see Lippy. Um shanty alex chris core all you guys thank you all so much for being here if you're listening to this on replay wherever you find your podcast thank you so much for that as well really appreciate it but steven let's just take a moment to really appreciate what fox has done this season reflecting if you will because going into this year there was a lot of high expectations for fox and talk about filling in for a role there's nothing that stood out to me more than fox really not just developing his game to another level in such a short period of time but also doing it in more of a offensive situation once Tony D'Angelo was no longer with the club. That's when the points really started to pick up because if you remember, Fox didn't start off the year just blazing with speed when it came to offensive production. It was a little bit of a slow roller, but then just night after night gained a couple assists a game, and they were, a lot of them were primary primary a prime i can't even say the word right now a lot of yes actual assists so that's huge for him so what's your stance on fox what he was able to do in that bigger role once a guy like tony was gone giving him more time on the power play and five on five and knowing that fox finds himself in some unique company and could really go down as one of the better defensemen the rangers have ever seen as easily been the best defenseman the rangers have ever had since let alone the guy that handed him the war tonight and brian leach yeah, it's. Uh, I wouldn't want to go that far yet. I mean, it's 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 tough to uh, to have a career better than Brian Leach. I think Brian Leach is a top three defenseman of all time. Oh, I didn't say better. I'm saying he's been the best since Brian Leach. Oh, since yeah, best since yeah. That's not even close. Um, the the McDonough season in 2013-14 was amazing, but this is just on another level. And it's his second season. He's playing with Ryan Lindgren, who's also a second season NHL player. So it's not like he's being carried by a veteran presence on playing next to him. Adam Fox has carried this team um, when Panarin was uh, missing a couple of games because of the, um, you know, Russia gate uh, where he was sitting out for a couple yeah. of weeks. Uh, Adam Fox is is the guy who carried this team through those through those couple of weeks without Panarin. Um, it's just remarkable what he did. Uh, and and 
I'm I'm happy that the Norris was given uh, and that Leach actually highlighted it's given to the player that's best in all three zones, in all situations. And that just describes Fox this year. It's not just the offense. It's the defense. It's the transition. He plays power play, penalty kill. And yes, the first a week or two of the season, he wasn't really playing the way we, we thought he could. Um, I remember early on thinking, is he the right guy for the, for the power play for this team? Um, but then when D'Angelo uh, was out of the picture, he was given a bigger role in the power play. And, you know, he's it, what, what really stands out to me is how calm he is on the power play. When he gets the puck on the blue line and he's cornered, he doesn't panic. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen him do this multiple times where he, he flips the puck over his opponent's stick and creates space for himself. To do it, to do that in those situations where you're most vulnerable, because if you turn it over there, it's a breakaway. I mean, that's that's he ha, he's got to have some ice water in his veins. It's it's that's it's pretty impressive what he's done this season. And yeah, I'm just happy he won it. Um, will it impact the the money he'll make on a second deal? Probably a little bit, but I'm pretty sure being a Norris finalist was already going to uh, to impact it a bit. Um, but yeah, just having a having an individual award for the Rangers is is such a nice thing because it doesn't happen that often. It doesn't. You're absolutely right, and it's important to look at what Foxy has done now and how unprecedented he is versus the history for the Rangers, not just with the Norris, but overall with NHL defensemen. And so many things have stood out to me about him and his game. But a couple of things in particular I just want to highlight are how well and how composed he is, especially when there's, say, multiple guys on him. He's able to really nimble around and get away with the puck without a prom. He has some of the best hands on the club, not named guys like Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, which is unbelievably exciting knowing that he is, in fact, a defenseman. But as you allude to as well, yes, it's important that you highlight the three zones here because while Kale McCarr, if he played a full season, would he have probably won it? Maybe. There's definitely a strong chance that he would have, especially if he led by points with, say, five or more plus points than Fox because I know yeah. that that's what they care about most. But outside of that, defensively, no one's really been better than Fox. Victor Hemmond wasn't this season, and Kale McCarr surely wasn't. And when it comes to t uh, takeaway uh, turnover ratio, Foxy has been in the really, really high percentile since he first came in the league, which just stood out to me a lot, because especially for a defenseman that has a lot of offensive opportunities the way that Fox has through his first two years, that's a key thing to be looking at and highlighting. So now when you look at extension for the Rangers, the beauty of this is that He's a diehard Rangers fan. He would not be a Ranger if it wasn't for him having to say. So I don't care what the contract's going to be. Extend this guy for 20 years at this rate. He's not going anywhere. I think, I think you and I can agree with that. It'll be curious to see exactly what kind of contract he'll be getting, but I could definitely see upwards of a 10-year deal coming his way fairly soon. Like That is how not just good he is, but how committed he is, and I fully expect the Rangers to be committed long-term long to him as really as long as he can possibly go. So, Stephen, yeah. my question to you now would be, what kind of contract do you think would make sense for Fox outside of what I just possibly said? And what do you think is going to be next for him in his career? Because at this point, it's his sophomore year in the league. And yes, this guy had plenty of developing. He plays time in Harvard. So he's not like your typical draft pick that went right into the league right away or went right into the AHL. You know, he got some experience that really helped him become the defenseman that he currently is today in his early 20s. But knowing that this is, in fact, where he is currently at, at the early age of what is he right now, his early 20s right now, who knows what his peak is going to be. So yeah. let me hear all your thoughts about that. 
Yeah, I think the max that they can offer him is eight years. So if if they're going to offer him an extension, oh, that's a great point. It should be eight years. I mean, yeah. and and we we hear all the time about bridging and about making sure that you don't that that like the next extension is at a favorable age. But no, I don't care. Adam Fox is a player. You just give him eight years. Like what Nashville did with Roman Yossi. Uh, what St. Louis did with Petrangelo. These are the type of players you just extend for eight years as long as you can. Give him $8 million a year. He's worth it. He's easily worth it. Um, he's going to be here long term. Uh, he's probably, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays every uh, one of his NHL games as a Ranger unless something happens down the line late in his career where they trade him. Um, he's going to be here basically for the rest of his career. Uh, yeah, where to from here? I don't know. I mean, the the Fox-Macar rivalry is something to look forward to in the years to come. Um, 2018-19, they were going head-to-head for the Hobie Baker. 2019-20, they were going head-to-head for the Calder and now for the Norris. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun a fun rivalry between those two, and I'm looking forward to it. And you know, not to throw any salt at Vancouver Canucks fans, but going back to the Calder run last year, you know, Foxy just fell short of guys like Dominic Kubalik, who was a late blooming uh, forward for the Chicago Blackhawks, and ended up being a finalist. And you had Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes because they were high in the points column. But so many people were like, you know, Adam Fox is never going to be to the same length of guys like Hughes and McCarr, especially when it comes to offensive production. And now you look at a guy like Hughes, he wasn't even remotely close, one of the best defensemen in the league this year, versus a guy like Adam Fox, who didn't just do it so well in his own end, but also was fantastic in the offensive zone. So just kind of funny how in a year's span, Adam Fox goes from not even being a Calder finalist, when the only reason was the lack of offensive production, and you can't even blame him. He didn't have too much opportunities on the power play because that's when Tony D has career-high season with the Rangers, and Jacob Trubo was still contributing to an extent. But now to see him in a bigger role, he's thriving, and just like that, he's now a Norris winner. I'm, I'm genuinely curious what his peak is going to be in his career because we never see anything like this. I know I haven't, at least as a young Rangers fan. You have with a guy like Brian Leach, but for me personally, this is my Brian Leach because this yeah. is my Adam Fox. You know, it's a different feel for someone like me and knowing that the Rangers have this guy by the name of Niels Lundqvist who's kind of really good offensively and in his own zone too is going to be coming the Rangers feels like the possibilities are endless with them on that blue line going forward so Stephen with saying that is there anything else in particular that you would like to add on with Adam Fox winning the Norris so again guys if you're just chiming in live on YouTube thank you so much for being here I appreciate that smash that like and subscribe on if you're listening and I replay I hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast for breaking news on Adam Fox winning the 2021 Norris but Stephen any kind of closing thoughts before we maybe segue into some other discussions regarding the rangers um yeah like what's next i mean what's 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 better than the norris uh i guess the heart so let's uh, <laughs> let's hope for that in the future if 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 adam fox if 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 he can develop beyond this point where he is right now which is being the best defenseman in the league already oh this is going to be a it's, it's going to be a fun couple of years coming up just to watch this this kid play and they have Panarin on, on, on the left, Zibanejad at center, who can score 40 goals. Um, we have Kako and Lafreniere, who's going, who are going to get better still. Like you mentioned, we have Nils Lundqvist coming over, Keandre Miller, Zach Jones, 
Uh, don't forget about Kravtsov. It's it's unbelievable. This is this is such a big moment for the Rangers because it shows that the Rangers are on the right path. And we're going to win some silverware in the next couple of years. It might not be next season. It might be 2025, 2026. But yeah, Adam Fox is gonna be it's Adam Fox is gonna be great. And and honestly, if I could put money on Adam Fox's number being raised to the rafters in 20 years, I'd probably put money on it right now. Absolutely. You know, when I think of Adam Fox and, you know, these great stories of, you know, either coming from New York and growing up a Rangers fan or just coming from New York, being a native, I think of a guy like Ryan Callahan. I know that he was a little, uh, he's from Rochester, I think. So he grew up a Sabres fan, but we haven't seen too many of these stories, especially being homegrown, if you will. So, and we never seen something like Adam Fox, where again, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, how he was determined to make sure that he would be a Ranger in his career one way or another. He worked his absolute tail off to make himself the best player he could possibly be. So to see him do all this, play his cards, kind of be stubborn, to the team that originally drafted him and the team that acquired him afterwards. And it's still to come out on top on this. I'm like, pat yourself on the back, Foxy. If you're going to be selfish, mm-hmm. at least do it right. And that's exactly what he did in this situation. So yeah. as a Rangers fan, yeah. we reap the benefits knowing that he grew up a Rangers fan, knowing that this was inevitable, if you will. But to see this all kind of play out, it's almost like a, a fairy tale type story because I've never seen anything like this in the history of the NHL for a guy to demand it the way he did growing up as a fan and for him to be excelling being the top defenseman, not just for the Rangers, but the top defenseman in all the league in just his second NHL season. It's truly something. Uh, I'll, say, I'll say one more thing before we move on to the next topic. But um, you know how, how for years uh, news outlets and fans have been talking about the Russian factor in the draft? Yep. Where they were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't draft a Russian because they, can stay, they, they might not come over and you're going to waste a draft pick. I think... The NHL awards this year have have highlighted that there's not so much a Russian factor. There's a, an NCAA factor because I honestly cannot name five players that were drafted out of the KHL that refused to come over when they were offered a contract. I cannot I cannot name five. But if you look at college, you had Kevin Hayes, you have Jimmy VZ, you have Adam Fox, Mike Riley. Um, I'm pretty sure there are other examples as well, but just off the top of my head, those four, and I'm pretty sure there's more. It oh, uh, Will Butcher, uh, uh, Alex Kerfoot, yeah, there that's six already. That off the top of my head in 10 seconds, there's more a college factor where college prospects might not sign with the team that drafts them. Um, and the Rangers have been lucky to be on the receiving end of. of where those prospects end up, Kevin Hayes, Jimmy Vesey, Adam Fox, but Adam Fox is on another level, and I, I, I'm, I'm super happy. You know, it's, it's almost two a.m. here, and I'm recording with you because of how, how much this means. Otherwise, I would be asleep by now. Exactly. For those of you guys that don't know that are watching this stream live or on play by play, we were fully intending on doing an episode probably two days from now. But yeah. when this news happened, I we really should have had it more prepped, if you ask me, because I had a pretty good feeling Foxy was going to win tonight. But no less, we're here. We're doing this. I'm so happy again this conversation. So again, to everyone being here and listening on replay, I appreciate you a lot. But let's segue now into another topic, and we'll probably touch on Foxy again before the stream and the actual episode ends for any of you guys listening 
something live and come in and are wondering why we aren't talking about Fox the entire time. But I want to get into a topic that has been circulating over the past couple of days, and that is regarding our good friend and Jack Eichel, because Larry Brooks came out with an article over the past 48 hours that was pretty interesting on the Rangers having some preliminary talks and discussions with the Sabres on looking at a guy like Jack Eichel to acquire. And one of the things that really highlighted in there was we all know Jack Eichel has been sustained some serious injuries over the past season. And there's uncertainty as to exactly how long he could possibly be out, how much surgery, if any, that he's still due for. And it looks like he probably is due for some more treatment. Um, so that's basically the biggest thing holding the Rangers back from going any forward in discussions, according to Larry Brooks from his article. So guys, make sure to check it out. It came out over the past day or two. So Stephen, my question is, what was your stance on this when you originally read it? Um, do you think that there is anything that we should be taking uh, note of with the Rangers actually showing interest here? Again, it makes sense that they are. I think it would the Rangers would be foolish not to. Whether the Rangers actually land Jack in the end or not is a completely different story. There's belief that the Sabres are looking for nothing less of four first-round picks when it comes to the actual talent they're acquiring. The Rangers are not going to get rid of Alexi Lafreniere or Cabo Caco. If they do, I will be absolutely baffled. I just don't see it happening. It doesn't make any sense from their standpoint. Even with Chris Drury now in GM and then more in win mode, he's not going to pull Glenn Sather and just implode this entire thing of what they built. So what's your stance on this latest news between Eichel and his connection with the Rangers? Yeah, I think – the thing you touch on with Drury actually makes sense. He just started as a general manager. He's not his first move is not going to be a move this risky where he could ruin the franchise moving forward. Um, if Gordon was still in charge, maybe because he has more, um, you know, he already ha- had like had his work over the years, you know, laid out and um, but yeah, Eichel. Um, I think the team that acquires him wants to have some say in in what kind of treatment he's going for, um, because there are there are several kind of treatments. I'm I'm not I'm not like a huge expert on on, on the medical side of of things, but um, there are several types of treatments. There there's one that's that's relatively new. I've heard that that Jack Eichel wants to go for, but it's it's risky. You know, it's a neck injury. It's not like you know, it's a dislocated shoulder or something. Um, and yeah, I think that the injury paired with the $10 million cap hit and a flat cap for the next two years at least will impact the return Buffalo will get. And even if you look at like the best, like some of the best players, like franchise caliber players that have been traded over the last couple of years, you have Eric Carlson that was traded to San Jose. And it was, uh, I think, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and then Dylan DeMello, Chris Tierney, Josh Norris, and Rudolf Balsers. It's it's not like like San Jose gave up Thomas Hurdle or something, or or you know a really like top-tier prospect that that everyone was was fawning over. Um, Rick Nash was the face of the franchise in Columbus, and Rick Nash's return was Brandon Dubinsky, Artem Anisimov, Tim Erickson, and a first-round pick. Um, it's just it's really difficult to to pinpoint where Eichel uh, fits in in terms of value uh, because there's no one comparison that really fits like hundred percent. But a couple like a couple of years ago, the the Sabres traded Ryan O'Reilly away. And all they got was a first, a second, and then Berklund, Sabotka, and Tage Thompson. Oh, my goodness. I remember and, that like it was yesterday. 
And 12 months later, Ryan O'Reilly has a Selkie, a Conn Smythe, and a Stanley Cup. <laughs> Literally 12 months later, he, he won, he had, had three trophies, two, two individual ones and a Stanley Cup. Um, so it's, especially in the salary cap era, these trades, GMs are, are going to take cap hit into consideration. Um, if a guy like Kreider would be part of the trade package, it would make a lot more sense because then you offset a little bit of the cap hit, but five more years at 10 million where you already have Panarin for 11.6. You already have Truba for eight. You already have Kreider for 6.5. You have Shesjorkin as a restricted free agent this summer. You have Kako next summer, Kako and Fox next summer, Lafreniere the summer after that. You have so many young guys coming up that, that go, are going to need new contracts and they might not all make six, seven, eight million, but you know, Adam Fox is going to make, it's going to, you know, he's going to ask for a lot of money. You don't want to be in a situation two, three years down the line where you have handcuffed yourself to the point where you have to trade Lafreniere because you don't have the cap space to even, you know, give him a second contract. Uh, and I think that's where for the Rangers, the, the big issue is like short term this year, next year, I think the cap space is there. We have a lot of millions coming off the books in cap penalties, but down the line, you know, getting rid of Strom and Butchnevich will help a little bit, but you don't want to be in a situation where you only have two or three good forwards. Like in 2013, we all remember the, the Nash Richards Gabrick line. Yep. And it was supposed to be this great line, you know, this this all star line, and and it just it just didn't work. And um, the Rangers never really had a good balance. The Rangers never really had like two two star players, and then the depth to go with it. Twenty fourteen, all they had was depth. Their best player that season was Derek Stepan. If your best player is Derek Stepan, you're not going to win a Stanley Cup. We got close, but you're not going to be competing for long. Um, you need those star players, but the salary cap, man, it, it just comes down to this salary cap. The cap's not going up for another two years, at least, according to the NHL. Can yep. the Rangers really fit 10 million under the cap without without losing their young players because they simply don't have the money for it? And that's a great point that uh, people need to look at because Eichel, don't get me wrong, he's a fantastic player. When he's on, when he's healthy, he's one of the better centermen in all the game. Top 10 can very much be so. He's dominant on the puck when he gets his hot scoring streaks. He's truly so difficult to go up against, and he's still very much in the prime of his career. But between the injuries and, as you said, this contract, this may very well be the biggest factor. And I really hope the Rangers play this strategically, depending on how deep they possibly get into discussions or any type of interest with a guy like Jack Eichel. Because, yes, you're going to have your pauses, but are they going to outweigh the negatives in the end? Contracts always tend to bite teams in the back. Plenty. The Rangers have been notorious for buying out contracts the past half decade to a full decade now with contracts that just simply aren't looking good on the back end. And when you have a core right now that the Rangers do all young, all either on ELCs or about to come off of ELCs, the Rangers need to put themselves in a spot awfully similar, believe it or not, to a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are competing in the Stanley Cup Finals, looking for back-to-back this year. Tampa, everyone gets upset about because it looks like that they're cheating the salary cap system. You could view it that way all you want, but at the end of the day, they have built that group. They built that entire core. They made fantastic drafting. They had their stars in, uh, uh, pardon me, in, um, 
Stamkos and uh, why why am I blanking right now? Jesus, thank you. I don't know why. I, the guy Brady had really almost ten points yeah. over uh, a game in playoffs this year because he didn't play the entire regular season, as we know. But it's guys Brady like them that you have your core, and that can be our yeah. Lafreniere and our Kakos and our Tammy Panarins. But you got to make sure they're all float. And in order to do that, you need to be very strategic about how you go about this lineup construction and how you're using your dollars. So. I don't know if Jack Eichel fits this team with where they're trying to be, not just now, but over the next five years to even a decade. So it's something the Rangers are very much going to be strategic about. And I just pray to God that they don't overspend for anyone. Seriously, as much as I love Jack Eichel or even a guy like Barkov, if you will, who I do not think is up uh, to be dealt for by any stretch of the imagination. The only consideration I could see is that you are severely overpaying for him because the Panthers have a smart GM now in Bill Zito. Cause I see a lot of guys in the chat right now in the live stream and people over all always wine Barkov, including myself. He's phenomenal. He's a great example of what you would want with a perfect two-way ceremony. By the end of the day, it makes no sense from the Panther side of things to want to actually deal him. And then the only realistic guy that you've really mentioned is a guy like Sean Couturier. That's a different discussion. That actually adds up in a lot of ways should the Flyers actually commit to a rebuild like they should because they have to figure it out by now that Elaine Vigneault is not going to take them anywhere. So the sooner they realize that, the better. But that's kind of just my stance on the matter. Jack Eichel, I would love him. But given his contract, I'm more and more not in favor of it unless the Rangers can somehow, some way, make this all sneaky good, make it all work somehow, and maybe get guys like they've done with Tampa now with their cup runs, knowing that, hey, stay with this team, take a pay cut, but trust me, it's going to be worth your while for the runs we're going to have for consecutive years. We've seen that with some players across the league, not just with Tampa. Could we see, see the same with the Rangers? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing with Eichel is, um, you know, what do you like, what are the enticing assets that, that they're going to get for him? Um, I know that Sabres fans are, are talking about Lafreniere and Kako and, and, you know, if, if they trade them, if they trade into the LA Kings, they're talking about Quinton Byfield, but those players are not going to be part of a trade, you know, that, that may have worked in 90, in the early nineties with Eric Lindros, you know, at the draft when they got Peter Forsberg and, and a bunch of other prospects. Um, but if you look at what Columbus Blue Jackets fans thought they were getting in return for Rick Nash in 2012, there were talks about, you know, they, they, were, they were expecting Chris Kreider, Ryan McDonough, and they ended up with Artem Anisimov and Brendan Dubinsky. You're not going to get the players you want, and Ranger fans are not going to get their way either you're not going to get him for ryan strom uh brad howden and uh and tarmo rion and then a first that's not happening either it's it's going to be somewhere in the middle um and I, i'm pretty sure sabers fans will were going to be disappointed about the return and uh whichever team acquires him it's it's risky um do i want eichel yeah sure i'll take him uh, but I'll, it'll mean that we're moving on from Zabanajet because you cannot keep both. So the question becomes, is the upgrade from Zabanajet to Eichel worth the assets you're giving up? Yeah. And what assets are you giving up? It's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough one. And if Eichel was healthy or if Eichel's cap hit was $7 million, we're having a different conversation. Absolutely. And it may not seem like that there's a drastic difference between seven mil to 10 mil, but there actually is, especially in a scenario where the Rangers have endless contracts that are going to be coming up. Like these guys, 
Well, yes, you have Adam Fox. You already know you're going to have to give a truckload of dollars to, but you don't even know what to expect with a guy like Igor Shosturkin so far, who had himself a solid rookie campaign this year, a technical rookie season. Wasn't stellar, but it was really, really good for the Rangers at points in the year. We don't really know what to fully expect with him yet, though. Kapokako hasn't even gotten started yet when it comes to actual point production. The play has been there, but when it comes to actually making the dollars, that'll probably start to kick in next season. You got guys like Niels Lundqvist, as we know, who has high expectations. We have a lot of guys in this roster, and of course, Alexi Lafreniere, who knows what his ceiling is. These guys could easily be pushing eight, eight mil, possibly plus. Um, per year on their contracts like we just don't know right now so because of all those reasons as i stated earlier already they got to be smart about how they go about this offseason i'm not against upgrading the rangers are very much going to make moves this offseason i think we can both agree and we'll be here to discuss it but is maybe a guy like a sean couturier if you will or someone along those lines a better route or even a philip Deneau, if you will who i'm still very much in favor of i think he'd be such a smart move should the Rangers be able to land him and he doesn't commit to the Habs long-term because he's in the Stanley Cup Finals right now. I'm sure he's feeling fairly good about himself. The narrative changed quite a lot over the past season for him and his wanting to stay with Montreal or not, according to reports. So those are just some players to take into consideration that are probably more realistic than a guy, a guy like Eichel. But Chris Drury, man, we'll see what happens. If there's one thing I know about GMs is that they do like to make a splash. Is Chris Drury going to be the flashy type? I don't necessarily think he will be that. I don't think he's going to go out and just go guns a-blazing like the notorious previous GM for the New York Mets as a dire Mets fan from what I'm known for at Wardy NYM, Brody Van Wagen, and the previous GM. When he first came to the reins with the Mets, he decided to blow everything up. The Mets had some really coveted prospects. So what do you do? He traded away their top prospect, now one of the best prospects in all baseball, and Jared Kelenic, who looks like he's going to be an absolute star for a veteran and Robinson Cano in the infield, who is out with steroids this year. He's an absolute bum. He's past his prime still. And Edwin Diaz, the closer, who, don't get me wrong, Diaz has done really well this year, but he by no means was worth a prospect of Kellenic's worth. So that's what Brody did as soon as he came in as GM for the Mets. Just a comparison on how an aggressive GM can be and how a guy that actually has an experience is going to go about things. And Drury clearly has that experience. So I think it's going to be a little bit of slow-moving pace once we get the assistance in with Gallant and all those things in the draft. So I'm curious what's going to happen, but I don't think we should expect a blockbuster by any stretch of the imagination um, anytime soon, in my personal yeah. opinion. But we'll see and if I'm right there's, or wrong. There's, there's one more thing, and um, you know this this came up a couple of years ago with the Mike Hoffman trade. General managers seem more comfortable trading a player to the other conference. Um, Absolutely. So some general managers might accept a a lower offer if if it means the player going to the Western Conference. Um, unfortunately for the Ottawa Senators, in the case of Mike Hoffman, it didn't work out that way because the San Jose Sharks were smart. Uh, an hour after acquiring Mike Hoffman for peanuts, they turned around and traded him to the Florida Panthers, who were in you, the center. I feel like you always reference this, and it's funny because I always think about it. Whenever you think of, this is how you're supposed to be. GMs are always, you know, so stiff. They got to make sure they go on the West Coast. I will never forget that trade. I think I covered it on the channel as well when I first started making hockey yeah. videos. I'm like, how stupid was this? I'm like, you don't, you rarely see stuff like that. That is smart GMing right there. Just, just take the best offer. Yep. Do it. Take the best offer. But uh, speaking of dumb GM moves, the expansion draft's coming up, so that's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. I'm really, really excited for that. When exactly is the date for the expansion draft, do you know, off the top of your head? Uh, 22nd of July. Let me quickly check. Okay, I know it's, I know it's. I think, the 
second to last week of July, I believe. That's that's exciting. Um, 21st of July. Sorry, I was off. Okay, and the normal NHL draft is right around that time as well. Yeah, uh, let me check that for you. Because I know everything's about a month off because of how the schedule was different this year. Uh, 23rd and 24th of July. So it's uh, two days after the expansion draft, we have the entry draft. Oh, boy, oh, boy. That's going to be a busy week. It's going to be a lot of fun talking about it, though. So, guys, again, that's going to basically wrap up our discussion. Stephen, if you have any uh, closing remarks on things, by all means, go ahead. But besides that, if you guys chimed in the stream live, thank you so much for being here. Again, if you don't know, Adam Fox is your 2021 Norris winner. So exciting. The first New York Rangers since a guy like Brian Leach to win the award and only the second defenseman in NHL history outside of Bobby Orr to win the whole thing when it comes to being in his sophomore season. Just absolutely remarkable. So happy for Adam Fox. No one deserves him more than him. Was the best, most composed defenseman. And the fact that he was only sophomore this year shows you that truly the sky is the limit. So, Stephen, any uh, final remarks you'd like to make before we get out of here tonight? Um, yeah, I don't know if anyone has any questions, but other than that, um, I think the Rangers should just focus on their bottom six. Uh, I think their top six is fine. I think strengthening their bottom six it should be a priority uh guys like thomas nosek uh maybe casey zizekas but they need to move on from guys like uh, brett howden it's just it's not gonna work um they, they they need some some guy that actually wins a face off when it matters and they need you know if you're going to add some physical guys add some physical guys that also add something on the score sheet um the carolina hurricanes apparently are not going to uh, are not going to extend Warren Fogle and Jordan Martinuk, so I don't know. Yeah, if, I, if I'm fairly intrigued about those. Yeah, I don't know if there's something there for the Rangers to look into. Warren Fogle is a guy that I'd be very interested in. Yeah, um, he, he was he was he was kind of like a yes for fast uh, plenty of times with yep. Carolina. They would slot him anywhere, have him on the top line, top six, yep. wherever they yep. need him. He's a good filler versatile player um that's the type of guy you would go after he's rfa so they may have to acquire his rights maybe for like a third round pick i don't know what the value would be but that's a guy i would go after thomas nosek of the vegas golden knights is an unrestricted free agent so i think they can sign him straight up uh but those are the moves i would make i wouldn't i wouldn't really go for a guy like eichel or if you're going to go for a center like sean couturier that's that's the type of guy you you would you would spend some assets on because you would still keep Zabanejad and Strom down the middle. Um, and yeah, I, I think that the Rangers are on their way to becoming a contender. Um, don't make too many changes. Just let your young kids develop. You know, um, I don't know. How, how old are you? 20? I'm going to be 21 very soon. 21. All right. So right now, compared to what you'll be like in three, four years, it's going to be completely different absolutely same with these guys Lafreniere, Kako, Kravtsov, even Fox they're going to be completely different people in three four years you know give these prospects time to grow into their body to get used to the NHL it's going to be great it's going to be a great run and it absolutely, uh, it absolutely I'm is I'm looking forward to it I'm, I'm so excited to uh, share my reactions with you and have these discussions going forward for the Rangers. And again, um, if you want to take some questions, we can. Maybe we'll just take a, uh, like a couple 
maybe yeah, three sure. or so, because then we'll get you out of here. So for everyone that's listening on replay knows it's right around 3 a.m. where Steven resides currently. So I think he needs some shut eye. He does work the same day. So it's going to be a little rough for him. So let's get only get a couple questions in and then sure. we'll close the same out. So if you guys have any questions during the live stream right now, by all means, go ask ahead. Um, I see one question already. I think we can answer this one. Why are people so dying to trade Truba? The Rangers closed shop once he got hurt. That should tell you his value. Um, well, a guy like Truba, his value is actually pretty high right now versus what it was his first year with the Rangers. Now, are the Rangers going to deal him? No, that contract is not easy to deal at all. Uh, but nor do I think it would be in the right mind for the Rangers to deal it at this point in time, given how much of a bounce back season he did have. And I was very critical of Truba. I said this is First year, I gave a lot of optimism with it, said, you know, slow moving his first year in New York. At the start of the season, it looked abysmal for him. I was really, really getting tired of him. He looked like a pylon out there, was not good one-on-one, two steps behind when it came to a one-on-one, just a huge disadvantage. But he stepped up big time down the stretch for the Rangers this season, and I don't think he's going to be going anywhere, nor do I think the Rangers have any suitors for that contract regardless. And if there's – I'm not sure if there's any type of no-move or no-trade clause in it. But no less, I don't see Truba going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, um, Truba has a no-move clause as far as I'm aware. Uh, his wife works in New York City. She's a nurse. Mm-hmm. She works in one of the hospitals in New York City. So I'm pretty sure they they don't want to uproot their life and move away from New York unless they really have to. Um, but – Jacob Truba is fine. You know, yeah, he makes $8 million, but the only reason Jacob Truba is not a top-pair defenseman in New York is because he, he's literally playing on the same team as a Norris winner. Yeah. You know, we can say it now. He's a Norris winner. Um, I think people wouldn't have this much of an issue with Truba if he was being paid $6 million a year. But is he overpaid? Uh, maybe maybe about like a million, but it's mm-hmm. not really something I'm worried about. Last season was rough, but he was playing with Brady Shea. Uh, the less we say about that, the better. Um, this season, he's playing with Keandre Miller, a rookie. Um, and he's helped Keandre Miller, you know, adjust to to life in the, in the NHL. Let's not underestimate the, the impact the guy has off the ice as well. You know, this guy, Jacob Truba, Chris Kreider, these are the guys that the young kids look up to, that they go f- go to for advice. I think Truba's fine. And the last couple of games where we were without Kreider, Truba, and Lindgren, and we were absolutely ragdolled by the Bruins and 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 the, and the Capitals and Islanders, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a problem of the Rangers. It was just that we were without our three most physically present players those games. And Truba's one of them. Yeah, you know, Truba has had a great bounce back season, and uh, I think I think he's going to be fine. I think the eight million dollar cap hit is not as big of a problem as uh, some fans make it out to be. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think Truba he has a lot of leadership skills and qualities that have been uh, really obvious with the Rangers since he arrived with them um, over the past year and a half now. So I'm excited for him. I'm curious to see what he's going to do. Cause again, Truba's only like 25, 26. He has yet to really, we might still see the best from him. Who knows? Maybe not point production wise. This is yeah. going to be awfully difficult. Not just with a guy like Adam Fox in front of him on the power play, but also Niels Lindquist who has a lot of high expectations, which is a great segue into our second question before we get out of this episode. And that is someone asking is Neil's going to win Calder's rookie year book it. Um, and my response to that would be, 
possibly we'll see what happens um i think at, at this rate there's a couple rookies i'm keeping an eye on uh, most notably cole caulfield uh, especially with him getting this playoff experience that's huge for him i love caulfield um by no means am i a habs fan but i am a cole caulfield lover gold caulfield so i think he might be one of the uh biggest uh guys to be in favor of winning the award in a full season but there's definitely some reasonable um questions behind if Niels can actually perform and win so let me yeah. ask you, you are you know Niels better than anyone else here. You have a connection with him personally. You know his family well. We've been all over this before. If Niels gets consistent playing time next season, even if it's on the third pair, 15 pushing 20 minutes a game, gets himself some power play time, probably on power play two if it's not power play one, do you think that he can actually win the caller? Um, honestly, it depends on who, who he's up against. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, we saw Makar win the caller. Hughes was uh, finished second. The best forward cross, the forward rookie last year was Dominic Kubalik. If Lundqvist goes up against a Kubalik type uh, rookie, like that type of performance, I think he can win the Calder. But it, it, it just depends on who he's up against. Like you mentioned Cole Caulfield. He's great this postseason, but so was Kreider in 2012. And then he wasn't really great in the regular season um it's a different game so yep. we'll see but it, it I, I don't i haven't really looked into which prospects are going to be eligible next season quinton byfield's probably going to be one uh you have to think alex turcott trevor zegras I, I don't think they've played enough games to no longer be eligible um i'm just happy that lundquist is not going up against kirill kaprizov for the calder let's mm-hmm. put it that way because this year, Kaprizov, uh, there were 100 people that voted, 99 voted Kaprizov number one. Of course, uh, there was that one. That I don't know. Shot. I don't know what that one person was thinking, but uh, a yeah, point per game player in your rookie season. Yeah, he's 24. It's still a rookie. I don't care. Um, I think I think Lundqvist is 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 a candidate. Um, it just depends on how he's used. Now that we have Gerard Gallant instead of David Quinn. I'm a little bit more hopeful because Galan does a good job with um, uh, with young players. We saw what he did in Florida with Barkov and Huberdo and Trocek and Ekblad. So, and then in Vegas with Theodore and Tuck and and William Carlson. So, I, yeah, uh, he's definitely he definitely has a shot, but it depends on who he's up against. He's poised to be given the proper opportunities, which is great to see what go on. I'm very excited to see how his approach and how vastly different it will be. And it's going to be such a breath of, uh, uh, breath of fresh air, pardon me, uh, to see a veteran like Alon and how he's going to go about things. I feel like to an extent, it's going to be a little reminiscent of AV, especially his first year with the Rangers, just having consistency every single night because AV, that was it, especially his first year with the Rangers. He wasn't great when it came to developing Yump Town. We know that, but... Gallant is going to bring that veteran leadership, a technique that he's been doing for years now, and the ability to actually develop a young proper talent. So the last question that I'm going to answer, that we're going to answer before we get out here in this episode of Rangers Review, is in fact, who is going to be named the next Rangers captain? And in my mind, unless he is somehow someway traded, which it doesn't look like it's even possible given his contract status right now, but Chris Kreider has to be that man. Chris Kreider to me is so reminiscent of being the next captain the same way Anders Lee is the captain of the island. Um, is Anders Lee the best player in the Islanders? Hell no, absolutely not. Matthew Barzell is in fact a thing. They have some star defensemen as well, but he's been a veteran on the team. He's been clutch for them in playoffs for numerous years. He steps up for them. He's a physical forward, brings a lot. It brings a great net front presence. 
awfully similar to a guy like Chris Kreider in a lot of ways, even though that they are big rivals. But I just want to say that because when I think of that type of captain, I do see a lot of similarities with a guy like Honors Lee with what Chris Kreider is and what he would bring to the uh, locker room for the Rangers as their next captain. So what do you agree in the notion that Kreider will more than likely be the next captain, or do you think it might be a guy like Mika, Truba, et cetera? Um, to me, Kreider has always been the number one candidate because of, and I've brought this up before, um, the, you know, the answers I've gotten from, especially the younger players when I was doing the, the prospect interview series last summer, uh, I did a quarantine prospect interview series where I spoke to guys like Brandon Crawley, uh, Justin Richards, Patrick Kotorenko, Austin Rishev, Zach Jones, several times, Tom and then. And every time it comes up, every time the the question comes up about, you know, who are the leaders on, on this Rangers team, they always talk about Kreider because Kreider is the guy that is always the first one on the ice during training camp, always the last one off. Uh, Brendan Crawley referred to Kreider's work ethic as Jager-esque. That's, that's huge praise for a guy that, Ranger fans are always always complaining about that he disappears halfway through the season. Yeah, Kreider is not the most consistent player, but no. your your captain shouldn't be your best player because if if that's the case, then we're not talking about Zibanejad either. Then we're talking about Panarin. Um, I think Kreider is the leader that this team needs. I think he's already doing stuff that a captain should be doing. I don't think the players care as much as the fans do about who is the captain of this team because leadership doesn't require a letter. Leadership just comes with, you know, the experience and and just the personality that you have. Uh, last offseason, Chris Kreider invited guys like Morgan Barron, uh, Matthew Robertson, Alexi Lafreniere, Keandre Miller, invited them all to come over to Connecticut to, to train with him in the offseason. You know, they spent time with Ben Prentice and Chris Kreider was the one who organized it all. That's that's what you want from a captain. You know, I'm not expecting my captain to be the best player on my team. I'm not expecting my captain to score 50 goals. I expect my captain to be there for the young guys, to 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 be the voice of reason in the locker room, to to be the natural leader of the team and not be forced into it like I had the feeling with Ryan McDonough and Brian Leach. When they were named captain, it felt like it was more a burden on them than than them being like the natural leaders on the team. Um, uh, and- I, I really see that with um, with McDonough to an extent, because as much as I love Mack Truck and I thought he was a good leader, he wasn't. From everything that I saw, at least he there were qualities about himself that didn't necessarily. Sp- display what it truly means to be a captain vocally not just you know in the locker room he could have been a huge voice in the locker room for all i know i just don't know because i wasn't there but on the ice he did of course say some things but like during that time it's so stupid that the that goaltenders weren't allowed to be captains other than uh, roberto luongo as we know because henrik lundquist was undeniably the captain in that rangers locker room every single season for the entirety basically of his career yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, just to reiterate that it, sh- it doesn't necessarily have to be your best player. Uh, the LA Kings won two cups with Dustin Brown as their captain. Yep. Um, the Minnesota wild for over a decade had Miko Koivu as their captain. Was he their best player? No, he was up there. He was like, and this is the same with Kreider. He's up there. You know, he, he's an influential player on this team. Um, but 
it it matters more to fans than it does to players. The players are like, eh, you know, we're in the same locker room. The letter on the front doesn't really matter that much to players. Uh, it's just the fans that are obsessed by it. So um, last thing I'll say about the captaincy, it's, uh, it's weird that we had a head coach go his entire tenure without a captain. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. That's, 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 I don't know what to think about that. I don't know if, if that's just a coincidence or if it's a sign of something bigger, but it's definitely noteworthy that Crin was a head coach here for three years and we never named a captain. Um, and I think that's further proof of just the lack of leadership that they had in that clubhouse. You know, it really, um, it really became a uh, part me locker room. It really became evident. I felt like, um, especially after uh, two seasons in for the Rangers, it's just, yes, they had guys piggybacking off each other, but between all the different things that went wrong for the Rangers, whether it was PR wise or just within the team, you know, it does make you wonder if having a captain maybe would have changed anything or if not, but having that uncertainty is not necessarily a good thing, especially for a rookie coach like himself, a guy that he can maybe lean on more than the others to, you know, really try to get the team going. Yeah, and um, I'm pretty sure we'll name a captain this year. Um, honestly, if there's one person I would trust with that decision, it's it's our current general manager, Chris yeah. Drury. Um, this, maybe not every Ranger fan will agree with what I'm about to say, but I think Chris Drury was the best captain the Rangers had since Marc Messier. Not necessarily the best player to be the captain, but the best captain. He was the leader and... There were interviews with Ryan Callahan years ago where he said, everything I did as a captain, I learned from Chris Drury. And Chris Drury is is like captaincy personified. He did it all. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't that superstar player, but he's the perfect example of a guy who who brings exactly what you want from a captain. So if there's one person I trust making that decision, it's Chris Drury. He should recognize what, what it takes. And that and that's a great viewpoint for to have a GM and president now and a guy like Chris Drury who has that experience. I think that's going to go very much in hand with figuring out who is going to be right for the captain and alternate captains for the Rangers. But before we get out of here, I just want to say a quick shout in the live stream. But if you're listening to this uh, live and not on replay, but a good friend Brody, who's a great supporter on the channel, donated five dollars. Thank you so much for that, buddy. I appreciate it. he's been supporting you for a while. I'm happy to see you here too. Yes, we're very happy about Foxy. Foxy clean got the Norris baby. Now let's um let's see if he takes the team friendly extension. Yeah, he might. I mean, that's something to consider. I said it right. Maybe we'll touch on it more next episode. I mean, look, he did all he could to be a Ranger. Now, would he possibly take a team friendly deal to keep the Rangers core intact? That's a possibility too. So we'll see what happens going down the road for Fox and his future with the Rangers extension wise, but rest assured, he's not going anywhere. So again, thank you Brody for the donation, my friend and Steven, any final words before we end today's episode? Adam Fox is a, is a Norris winner. It's, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. It is, it is ridiculous. It's, crazy. Adam Fox. it's been a great Adam. season. It's been a great season. And it, you know, this makes up for not making the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think so, too. It's not like the Rangers are going to have themselves a deep run, even though the Rangers have more, more points during the season than the Montreal Canadiens, but we're not going to talk about that. No less, the Rangers 
They have themselves a Norse winner. His name is Adam Fox. So thank you so much, everyone, that chimed in this episode of Rangers Review. If you did, in fact, enjoy during the live stream on the channel, please make sure to smash that like and subscribe on for more episodes like this, talking all things New York Rangers. It would mean a lot. And, of course, if you're listening to this on replay, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, leave us a like, uh, a follow, give us a great comment uh, in the comments below. It would mean a lot, too. So thank you all so much, everyone. And, Stephen, let's go Rangers. Let's go Adam Fox. Let's go on Fox.